naturally. Yeah, I will say that, but it's not natural after I've said that. So uh, <laughs> naturally, okay. uh, how long have we got you for, Charlie? Uh, well, I just said I'd meet everyone because we're going to see Jojo Rabbit at twenty past three. Oh, I really want to see that. So, that looks uh, great. So, yeah. you go, where are you going to watch that? Are you going to? Oh, unfortunately, it's Sydney World. <laughs> <laughs> have you had your tetanus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As much as I, as much as I regret going there, you have to. Yeah. Um, we haven't got a lot of choice, have we? Really? No. The thing is, the one in Telford is amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. You can Hasn't it just been redone? Yeah, right. It's not brand, recently. It's a brand new years. one. It's a brand new. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas the one in Shrewsbury is, uh, yeah. No. <laughs> well, I've been to the. Actually, can I take? Is that better? Can I do it like that? Yeah, you can do. Yeah. You can That's do. A, yeah. Just a bit. Just weird. <laughs> <laughs> talking to directly, and yeah, 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 yeah. there's this massive echo going on around. Yeah, uh, yeah. Probably sweet though. Yeah, help yourself, help oh, yeah, yourself. Help yourself. Um, well, um, yeah, no, I've been to the IMAX there a few times, but not that many. Yeah. Because I don't like 3D. I so was, I was, so I was, if you want to go and see it 3D, it's like, oh, it's got to be. No, if you want to go to the IMAX, it tends to be the 3D ones. So yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, guys, welcome yeah. to the Shrewsbury Biscuit uh, podcast. I'm your host, Alex Whiteley, and my other hosts alongside me are Shane Hinton. Say hi, Shane. Hello. How's it going? And our Jules. How's it going, Jules? It's going yeah, fine, yeah. thank you. Hello. And joining us today is a very special guest um, and, uh, you know, Shrewsbury superstar, i got to say, because he's everywhere. Everywhere you look at Charlie Adler. You know, everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> well, I can't talk now. I've got a sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just carry them. on with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Ben Butler. He put yeah, a. He was like, nom, nom. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a bad idea. We put hard boiled sweets in front of yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, it's uh, really good to ha- speak to you again. I mean, if, you were the first sort of person I had on on a podcast that, you know. Uh, Gave me the, the, the nerves and the kind of thing that comes this, with this speaking. This has been your your first interaction with Alex has been stuff of legend on the other podcast. I, we really? constantly oh, right. constantly okay. rib Alex <laughs> for the, for his reaction. <laughs> for some reason, he has a really weird reaction around you. He turns into this weird teenage girl. He said he's like a little fan girl. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is see, fan girl. What's the first thing I said to you when he came to my house? I was like, "It's a judgment day today, isn't it? It's the Charlie yeah. Adler day." Because, <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the first uh, interview we did for Thorskin was, was actually mm. really good and it, I was really worried I bought all nice things teas and everything you're just down to earth got a normal human being which is yeah. you know uh, and you, you expect otherwise when you're speaking to a superstar like yourself so it went really well um, and then for some reason every time I saw you after that I was kind of like it's Charlie, it's Charlie. <laughs> not even joking not even joking and then there was the stolen handshake uh, you, you <laughs> yeah, the stolen handshake stolen handshake see it means nothing to you it means right. but to me it was just like I'm oh my god I remember now what's the stolen handshake <laughs> the, the opener at uh, Comic Salopia uh, we were, I was um, you were, ch- we were chatting to the mayor we were getting pictures of the mayor oh yeah and uh, you came over and uh, I think you, t- you mentioned me in your speech. I was like, oh, Charlie mentioned knows my, he knows my name. Uh, anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did, spend, what, see what I we did mean? spend an hour in your house. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um, I, went to, I went to shake your hand to say thank you for, for you know, mentioning me in your speech. That was really nice of you. And as I went to shake your hand, the mayor, Phil Gillum, reached out for your hand. <laughs> and I kind of grabbed your hand whilst you were mid-shake with the, the mayor's hand. We kind of, you did like a really quick, <laughs> thanks, and then shook the mayor's hand. And I was kind of like, <laughs> oh, okay. what an idiot, oh, what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> So the first thing he did, he turned around to me, well, rung me up, he was like, you never guess what I just did. <laughs> oh, right. 
Yeah, it's the world of Alex. Well, um, Alex. I apologise if that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> just pull that mic down just a little bit, just a bit, so it's right in front of you. Oh, it's just... Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, get you nice. So let's introduce you to people. If people are blind and, and crazy, haven't, haven't seen you about <laughs> They have no life. Yes, <laughs> obviously, because I'm that famous. <laughs> I to can't what? go into town without being mugged. <laughs> <laughs> But if you're aware of, of the craze of, of like The Walking Dead, for example, you would know who you are. I mean, I, I guess. I mean, you, you, were, you were telling me that you can go to Walker Stalker sometimes and people won't even know who you are. But I mean... Well, I can go to Walker Stalker because that's mainly TV show stuff. Mm. So yeah. they don't know who this rather weird comic character, well, not character, that's like comics guy sat behind a table drawing stuff. What's yeah. what's he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it, that's the kind of thing we were trying to address with Comic Salopia was that it's, it's the comic book stars that are the stars and then that is what comes after that. That's yeah. just, you know, Too right. Yeah. Yes. yeah, damn right, damn right. And you're a Shrewsbury guy. Um, I am indeed, yeah, yep, so, yep. born and bred. Um, how, first of all, how was your Christmas in your new year? Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, it was, was good. It was it was I always say it's uneventful, but that's how you want Christmas and yeah. New Year to be, <laughs> yeah. uneventful. Totally. Just, the, just the usual. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah, I saw you were in Brazil shortly before Christmas, though, weren't you? <laughs> you <wandering around laughs> did Brazil. you see me in Brazil? <laughs> you were there as well. <laughs> you did. He did. It was another stolen handshake. He does He did say fangirl, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, follow I was, everywhere. yes, yes. First week in December, I was out at... Uh, CXPP, or was it CXXP? I can't remember. But 280,000 people at that thing is mad. Wow. Mm. How was that for you? Was it busy? It was good. It's not the sort of cons I normally do because it was a pop culture one, you know, like San Diego or New York or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever. And um, I don't generally enjoy those because, yeah, the comic book stuff is pretty much kicked to the, the extremities because of it. But in, in all power to them, they did put Artist Alley where I was sat right in the middle of this massive convention centre, unlike you know, some, some of the others, they stick them right to the side. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it was still, it was quite insane. Those sort of things are just mad. So many people, and you go in and it's just this massive arena and there's all these massive you know, booths set up, you know, Netflix, Amazon... Marvel, DC, all these sort of things. Huge, great booths with lots of stuff to look at, but not much to mm, do, yeah, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and actually, it was... Don't, don't get me wrong, it was very well done, and I was treated brilliantly by all the staff and everything, but hardly any dealers or anything, hardly any shops. Yeah, oh, there were the, the branded stuff in the mm. booths and, and things like that. But mm. no, um, yeah, at least San Diego has a massive area where, you know, there's a lot of... You can buy something. Yeah. You yeah. can buy stuff, you yeah. know. Funko <laughs> Pops, wall to yeah, wall. Yeah, well, there's a lot of that. There was the odd dealer there, but it was like... Does it get to a point where pops. you could go to a Comic-Con anywhere in the world and you just... It, it doesn't even feel like a different country. They all, like, universally look the same. Well, something know? like that is, again, it's it's... it's it was a bit box ticky, to be honest. I've never been to South America, so it was the, mm. oh, now oh, I can yeah, say I've been enough, to South yeah. America. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I try and get in a few days earlier, so at least I can see the city or the country or whatever, which I did for São Paulo in Brazil. But yeah, and and the, you see, the con was out of town, so you were bussed from the hotel out to this convention every day. Yeah. So there was kind of, and there wasn't anything around, you know, the convention itself. So 
you know, you did feel a bit trapped, to be mm. honest, as well. You know, you couldn't really just go out of the con and have a quick wander down the yeah. street or anything. There wasn't, like, yeah. there wasn't a street to wander down. It was just in a park with a big freeway going past one side and things like that. So, um, you it's know, I did spend you... four days just... But the good thing was um, I sort of sorted out with Greenpeace before I went out there because I'm a big Greenpeace supporter and um, I sort of talked to Greenpeace and, and basically we arranged to have Greenpeace Brazil turn up and sit on my table and I signed and uh, sketched for, well, for Greenpeace. Oh, Obviously the stuff going on out there is utterly unacceptable. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, it was good to raise 4,000 quid. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, in nice. four days. So I was well chuffed with that. Oh, that's that excellent. Nice. Yeah, really so good. So it was worth going yeah. just to do yeah. that, mm. to be honest. Just that alone is yeah. worth it. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It was worth it. However many thousand miles <laughs> <laughs> I travelled just to get there. <laughs> well, you know, from from that, let's talk about kind of where this all began. Because you say mm. you're from Shrewsbury. Whereabouts in, in Shrewsbury did you grow up around? Uh, well, I was born well, just literally, you know, locally, right in the middle of not in the middle of town. <laughs> but, on the, on know, the, the stork delivered me and dropped me in the square. <laughs> you know, I was there at the ceremony of that. Yeah. Life. <laughs> Just, just, just real local, you know, not even out of town. My dad, for anyone that knows Adelard's tobacconist. We were going to ask that. Yes. <laughs> that one of our questions. That's my that dad's. There cross that off the list. That's yeah. my, well, my dad is still alive. He's 91, but he retired nearly 30 years ago. Mm. But the people that took over the shop kept the name because it obviously had reputation. Yeah. yeah. So that was the business, family business. Um, Obviously, I didn't go into it. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, yeah. So just, yeah, brought up here, did my you know, education here, did the usual move out, move, move away to art college um, and down in Maidstone, moved to London for a bit, didn't work out in London, mm. moved back here. So it's quite a common story with a lot of people we've had on the biscuit. It's like, you know, there's no place like home. Yeah. No yeah. Like I mean, I probably moved back a bit earlier than a lot of people because I was back here in my I suppose mid to late 20s probably 26 ish Mm. Um, I didn't spend that yeah I only spent after art college and I was in Maidstone so it felt like I was living in London a lot of the time Mm. there's not much difference in London and Kent is there no it's a commuter town as (laughs) well Maidstone so there's nothing much going on in Maidstone Mm. and the art college was tiny it was only 300 students so most of the time I was travelling up for London for weekends because there's nothing going on Mm. in Maidstone so it did kind feel like I was living there for almost three years prior to actually living there yeah mm. but I I was only there for sort of eight months if that and then then like how, I say, how did you find that city life though because I mean I'm, I'm a shooty boy you know born and bred and yeah I couldn't I couldn't live in a city it, well yeah it, it was it was a it was a funny thing because the reason I went to Maidstone was because it felt slightly like Shrewsbury right yeah that was one of my big sort of decisions as to go there it was it was a college it was in a similar sort of campus it was bigger than than tech up the up, yeah. up on London Road <laughs> yeah. but it was kind of similar in that layout same kind of thing. feel like yeah and my art foundation the year before done when the foundation was up at London Road mm. um was probably one of the best years of my life just right. in terms of I was making new friends 
but also half of my old school friends were still hanging around, whether right. they're on gap years or, or yeah, just yeah. got jobs or whatever. So I was getting this great social scene going on. Mm. And I naively thought that going to a town similar, it would be a similar social scene. Mm. Of course it's not, because you don't know anyone. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's as simple yeah. as that. And I think it's harder in a lot of ways to get to know that many people in a small town. Mm. And I imagine there's so, so much noise going on. There's so many people, so many artists out there want to make it in London. It must be hard to shine in that, you know? Well, in London, it was. London. I mean, I wasn't going to London sort of with the intention of working, not in those mm. first three yeah, years yeah, at college. Yeah. I was just going there socially. I was in a band and stuff, and we were actually laughably trying to take it seriously. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so a lot of the times I was just going up to either do gigs or, or rehearse or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a very, at Maidstone, it was a very fine art course. It wasn't a technical film course. That's what I was doing. I was doing film mm. and video because obviously there's no courses to do comic books <laughs> uh, anywhere. Well, not at the time, anywhere in the country. But, yeah, um, yeah so I just... Uh, would go up up to London, do my band thing, you know, come back, do well, some filming for yeah, the next five days, and go back up to London. I'm on set this week, Mum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've got a question. So you were just saying about that's like you know it was sort of like more fine art and not comic. So what mm. at what point did you move into like comic book illustration then? Oh well, uh, I mean I've been drawing comics since I was about six or seven. Mm. You see. Uh, and, and literally around about that age, that's when I decided that's what I wanted to do, literally. Uh, and I spent my formative years with that in my head. All the way through school, I was like, I'm going to be a comic book artist, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. It was only until I went to foundation. Uh, it was only until, uh, you know, I, I, I went to Shrewsbury School. So I was at public school and the way they sort of educate you there, and don't get me wrong, I actually had a pretty good time there. You know, um, but the way they educate you there, obviously, is is they put you on a set path. Yeah. Mm. And the set path is you go to the schools, you go to university. It's as yeah. simple as that. There's not many, as even and probably even more so back in the this was the the uh, early eighties. Even more so then, your path was pretty much set. Yeah. And and I, so I was kind of, I suppose, for want of a better word, doctrinated, mm. you know, into thinking that myself. So, you know, I knew I was going to go to university. I knew I was going to do art. That, that was a given. Yeah. But to, you know, when I got to doing art A-level, I was thinking, oh, I can't do comics because there is not such mm. a thing. Yeah. So yeah. what did it now? <laughs> yeah, well, it was. It was kind of like that. What, so what, what, what's the closest I can yeah. do? Yeah. Um, and then when I was on my art foundation course, it was a bit of an eye-opener in terms of, you know, I can always recommend it to any person looking to do art mm. it's a brilliant thing to do uh, and it sort of worked for me in the way that at least it opened my eyes to other possibilities and and the thing that really sort of started to fire me up was you know filmmaking so I suppose you could argue it's the quite close to comics because it's sequential it's storytelling etc mm. etc et yeah, yeah. but then I chose Maidstone probably for the wrong reasons <laughs> <laughs> there was there were probably better courses I, sh I would have been better at going to I remember doing this going down with my dad and doing blitzing the sort of the southeast about three or four art colleges or probably more um, 
at the same time as knackered it was a whole you know long weekend of doing that and i came back and remember the guy doing film and video at the foundation course saying oh there's this really good course up in sheffield and i don't want to know i don't i've done enough you know i've made my decision yeah and in hindsight that course in sheffield would have been brilliant and mm. it would have been a big city and i'd have Again, looking back, yeah. in hindsight, I should have gone to a city. Mm. I mean, so obviously your dad owed the um, tobacconist and stuff. I mean, how did he, when, when you um, when you decided to go into to art and stuff, mm. there obviously must have been a conversation at some point where you sort of said, yeah, I don't, what I don't, about the family business? I, 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 yeah. I, I don't want to go into tobacco. I want to, I want to do you, comics. You know, my you my, know. my mum and dad have been brilliant. They, they've always been really supportive. I think, to be honest, when I said I... I, I finished with the band when I moved back from yeah. London. I think my mum and dad were so relieved I wasn't doing the band. <laughs> the, the Do comic, anything. Yeah, comic <laughs> art seemed to be the much safer option. <laughs> you know, so... Um, but no, I think they could always see I had a talent. And my right. dad had never, ever said to me once, uh, don't you think this, mm. you know, the business would be something you consider? And also, I think my dad by the time I was probably in my 20s, could see the writing on the wall vis-a-vis mm. -vis the tobacco, and tobacco yeah. industry, especially in, in the UK. Mm. You know, I think the profits were, I think, coming down by this time. So I think he could see that... Good time Good, yeah, even yeah. if I took over the shop or took over the business, the, the good times are over sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think he was that upset Mm. just purely because of that yeah I yeah. think that's the thing as well if you've got because obviously some people have parents don't they pressure them to a certain mm. direction particularly when it's a family business yeah there is always that expectation so obviously you know you you said earlier from six or seven you knew exactly what you wanted to do yeah but I was kind of one of these rare kids yeah that, that and obviously exactly so they've obviously picked up on that and helped you know I think so yeah, like, yeah not yeah. directed you in a certain direction but let you go your own way mm. um what comics inspired you back then what was it like what were your favorite comics back then that made you sort of think yeah. well again my dad was really instrumental in this because he came home back in 1972 when I was either six or seven I can't remember the actual month uh with a copy of the mighty world of marvel number one mm -hmm. which was the British reprint of all the obviously classic marvel comics mm. and it was the first time you could get them sequentially you know, like yeah. issue one, issue two, issue three, uh, in this country, printed black and white anthologies. Yeah, which which works in this country. Yeah. Um, yeah, like yeah, grand tradition of Dandy and Beano, basically. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I remember, I do. That's one of my earliest memories. Is is my dad coming in that evening, and he had something behind his back, mm. and I do remember they actually advertised it on telly as well. The oh, actual they? comic. I do remember that. I remember seeing it on TV and getting very excited. <laughs> Uh, this this sort of magical thing because there was used to be a comic before that I think it was called um, I think they were called Wham and Pow uh, I remember Wham they, yeah and they mm. were typical sort of you know dandy you know, mm. low rent I suppose dandy and beanos mm. or whatever but in the middle they had a colour section well it was either colour or two colour I can't remember but uh, it was it was a double page of Marvel comics mm. Mm. Um, and I remember then uh, even younger than six being so much more drawn to that than, you know, the sort of the classic British, you know, yeah, funnies. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was only until then Mighty World of Marvel came out, I realised what they were and, you know, and, and where they came from and yeah. everything. See, Dad, so, this guy, Mr. Lee, he made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my dad really liked it because my dad's always really liked that sort of 
florid language that's Mm-mm. how it, the comics were written back in the you know, the 60s. He, he especially enjoyed the Silver Surfer mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. Thor because of the way they spoke. Yeah. You know, so he's kind of, he liked that. So um, I think he kind of <coughs> connected with it on that level. Mm. You know. Have you still got that? I wish I had. Oh, I, I bet know, you do. I know. I don't know if they're worth any money, the, the oh. old collections, because obviously they're reprints. They're not the originals. No. But they must be worth mm. a bit. They've but. got to be worth something, especially yeah. if they are back from the 70s and that. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, 72. It was, um, mm. There was that shop that's gone now, I think, House of Jumble down uh, oh, yeah, 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 there. Yeah. It's gone now. But they had like beanos from all over the mm. you know, right, collections. Right. And I was kind of like, are they? Are they? Oh, okay. But, they, uh, but they're, they used to be... Um, where where the short stay car park is now um, opposite um, um, Montgomery Towers. That oh one. yeah yeah yeah. Do you remember there used to be a massive multi-story car park there? I don't. I've seen because I'm not from Shrewsbury, oh, okay. so but right. I have I seen, seen photos of it. There used to be yeah. a massive multi-story car park mm. rising out there, and under it there was a petrol station. Um, my dad always used to. We lived, I think, well, just like up. We probably were, where were we by then? Oh, Port Hill. Mm-hmm. We lived up Port Hill. So that was the nearest petrol station going to fill up the car. And um, we used to get, they were running a promotion. And at one point, around about the same time, uh, one of the promotions was, well, you fill up your, car, fill up your car enough times and you get an Asterix book. So <laughs> it was around about the same time. So I read Asterix as well as Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And... Again, formative years. I mean, I've always been a massive Asterix fan ever since. I love Asterix. Uh, and, but unbeknownst to me, I didn't realise it was French, obviously, at the time. And what I found out re- not that long ago was when Asterix was first reprinted in this country back in the 60s, before they published it as the proper volumes. Mm. I can't remember what comic it was in, but it was published, published sort of as a, ser- a serial mm. uh, in some British publication and it, he was rebranded to being a a, a british uh, mm. a celt or something like oh, wow. this. Okay. i don't know whether it's called asterix the celt or whatever but <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know it, it was, it was, yeah, it was translated it and, and uh, all the all the names were more british well i think the names stayed the same but the, yeah, everything yeah. everything that might have been french was, was, was put into <laughs> in, yeah it's set in britain uh, so but yes, again, so on one side I was reading American comics, on the other side, what mm. I didn't realise at the time, I was reading what they call Bon Désiné, which is the French uh, French comic books, which mm. I've had a lifelong passion and love of ever since. Yeah, I, I do like the Asterix ones. Uh, uh, the yeah. big guy is Oblix. So Oblix, Oblix yeah, he's yeah, one of my yeah. favourite characters because he's so strong, he just knocked people into the air and stuff. Yes, yeah, he, he fell into the potion when he was a magic, <laughs> when he was a baby, into the magic potion. I had so a, he's permanently <laughs> strong. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up, but we had like, a, there was like a selection of like comics and stuff that we collected over the years. And what, there was a couple of them that were uh, Asterix. And one was the... Uh, the one where they played rugby. Somebody just picked up them. Yeah, he just, yes. oh. I know them all. Don't worry, you're going to instantly <laughs> bring them up. What was the Asterix what? introduced tea to the UK? Yeah, in in the according to Gossini Nudizo, the creators anyway, in Asterix in Britain, because before in the story, all they drink is hot water. Yeah, and Asterix near the end says, "Why do you try doing this?" And he sort of crumbled some 
tea leaves into the uh, into the tea and there's like <gasps> this wow. this magic moment you know <laughs> a hot water and milk that's what they used to drink <laughs> apparently so it's Asterix introduced Ice. tea to <laughs> that's a magic I imagine that would be some sort of French humour there kind of like. oh yes yes um, so what was the moment the breakthrough moment for you the moment when you're like dad I did it I like, did it I I'm in that moment, I'm in that first moment well I moved back from London after failing dismally with the band <laughs> and um I just moved home for a while because obviously I couldn't afford to get my own place because I had no money. Uh, and I was lucky because I could stay at my parents fairly, obviously, cheaply. So I didn't have to get a job, which was great. So I could <laughs> concentrate on my portfolio and just, you know, sign on and just carry on like that. Uh, and um, yeah, it took me about two years. I was going, I was going to as many conventions in the UK as I could. Uh, this was now we're talking mid eighties. I think I left art college. Hang on, no, it's late eighties, isn't it? Because I left school at eighty four, eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven. Yeah, eighty eight, eighty nine, something like that. Um, uh, yeah, so it took about two years. So I was going every year to at least one in London and one in Glasgow. They had two big, well, big inverted commas. But but what is good about uh, the conventions at that time were comics were huge in mm. terms mm. of, you know, The Dark Knight, Watchmen and everything had come out. Everyone was raving about how comics had, you know, inverted commas, grown up. Um, and the companies, well, mainly Marvel and DC, had money so they could send American editors over here as opposed to us having to go over there mm. and see people. So every Glasgow comic convention, every, you know, what's fortunately called UCAC, UK <laughs> comic <laughs> art convention. Uh, Someone didn't think that. Yeah, yeah. No, they didn't think of the uh, anachronism, did they? But anyway, uh, and, and yeah, there'd be at least a dozen plus editors you could approach, which is great, which is unfortunately what you can't do nowadays yeah. at, at shows, well, especially in this country. So, yeah, I was just going crazy with the portfolio. Mind you, we mm. saw that at Comic Salopi, didn't we? We saw, like, loads of people yeah. that were there just to show people their portfolio. Yeah, but mm. there's minimal editors. I think yeah. we had a guy from IDW, and that was it, wasn't it? In fact, I, I can actually, yeah. one of the things I can, sort of a little bit of a snapshot, I can remember talking to um, oh, Phil, I think it's Phil, um, Phil Davis mm. I stood there to, uh, watching I think it was you and two other artists I can't remember who they were now um, most, they'll I, come to me in a bit I think um, Frank was it Frank? Frank yeah one of them was Frank yeah. and there was another one um, and the three of you were looking at this this, um, this kid's portfolio of what he was doing mm. and it was, it was quite interesting because like you know you got so much experience and this kid was just sat there like and I, I remember saying to Phil, I was like, "You're never. This kid is never going to get this ever again in his life." Like you know, <laughs> and like he just sat right. there, and, yeah. and you, all three of you were going through his. Um, I think I just was just passing by. Yeah, as literally. Well. Yeah, and yeah. like you were giving him pointers, and like you yeah. know, giving him advice and stuff, and he was just there, and you could just see it. He was just soaking it up, and oh, I was good. like, you know, yeah. And from an external perspective, I was like, that that kid's got to like literally yeah. just download as much of this as possible into his head, like because right. like literally he's never going to have this opportunity ever again, like you know. Yeah. 
and uh, it was really good really good to see do, to do, do, do you think like when you were doing that though when you were going around with your portfolio was that the time to do it was that like because like you said nowadays it must be a lot harder I mean, yeah yeah well I always say I've always been a big believer in in meeting and greeting yeah. you know yeah. actually physically getting out there and meeting people rather than just staying at home and you know either digitally mm. sending it out or just saying oh here's my website here's yeah. my Instagram or whatever you know um yeah, I I think it was really useful for me, and I still think it is. So I always advise people. I know it's a lot of money, but I said if you can get to the states, or even go to somewhere like Angoulême, which I'm going to at the end of the month in France, uh, go out to these places where you know there's going to be mm. editors and stuff, because those are the people that are going to give you jobs. Yeah. Mm. You know, yeah. just randomly sticking stuff online might work. Mm. Yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. And and the opportunities for that are infinite, infinitesimally more than, than what I had, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but there's so many people doing it, isn't it? That's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. You, you yeah. could easily get lost in the crowd. But similar, you could get lost in the crowd... Uh, back in my day, because obviously if you didn't meet these people, the only other way to do it would be to send your submissions to a submissions editor. And you weren't even guaranteed that that, you know, inverted commas, submissions editor was doing his job. Mm. Um, yeah. It might just get put in a pile, mm. and like say, lost in the crowd again. Yeah. Um, so that's why I always advocated you need to shake hands and mm. make yourself memorable. Yeah. You know, um, so be polite dress smart if you have to you know yeah. it, it, it is that sort of thing first impressions and you just, yeah you've only got seconds really exactly if you things. schlep up sort of just with your couple of pages and then you kind of go oh well that's not my best work my best works <laughs> yeah. and, you, and it's at the back and the editor's thinking why have you done that why yeah. have you put it at the back so many people do that yeah. you know mm. if you if you're going to somebody and making excuses yeah it's not worth you doing it yeah mm. it's as simple as that you've got to go in there with the confidence if you don't believe in yourself they're not going to I, suppose, you a job. I suppose with regards to like going in person as well that it, it shows a bit of passion for what you're doing like you said it, it, well, if you've made easy. the effort exactly. yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, if, if, you, if anyone could just post something online and be like yeah. anybody employ me yeah but if you're stuff. actually knocking on doors and like you know shaking people's hands and mm. being like you know this is what i've done you know mm. if you say employ me, you know? yeah well yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you might as well tell people i've come x hundred stroke thousands of yeah. miles mm. to to, yeah. to do this and you, whatever i am doing wrong i can learn yeah know, yeah well, it does fast, show it does you know? show yes i can i am willing to listen yeah mm. uh, if 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 you're not going to give me a job at least i'm going to give me advice yeah absolutely it's like you say it's knowing where to go though isn't it is is knowing where those editors are going to be. Yeah, exactly. And at the moment, anywhere in this country, there's some great cons and festivals mm. in this country, but no one gets the American mm. or, or, or French or Jap Japanese anywhere. Oh, yeah. No one gets editors anymore because the companies can't really afford to send them mm. and the festivals or conventions can't really afford to, to bring them in. They, mm. might bring, they might pay for one or two, but, mm. you know, it's not like, like I say, in my day... It wasn't the conventions that were bringing in the mm. editors. It was the companies that mm. were flying out eight, you know, five, six, seven, eight editors at you know, a time. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You know, so it's, it's the companies that can't afford it, unfortunately. Yeah. But they can afford it to do in, say, in their home 
Mm. Country. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot cheaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, with Chip Kid and stuff, like, you know, I mean, you were absolutely starstruck, weren't you? Because you were just like... So was I. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I remember you sitting there. And you, in fact, I remember at one point you did give him a bit of a grilling, didn't you? Oh, well, <laughs> he's, like... I mean, uh, that, that's it. He's, he's an, inter- an interesting guest in terms of the man has such amazing credentials. Yeah. Uh, and he's so... Good and skilled at what he does. Yeah, he's just so relaxed yeah. as well. Yeah. So natural. Like oh yeah, it. but is he a good guest for the general populace? Probably not. He's mm. not somebody that's going to get the crowds in. Yeah, someone mm. like Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, someone, someone. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of. Yeah, I mean, someone like Frank Quietly. Yeah, would would if, if we're talking someone who lives in the UK, yeah. he'll get the crowds in. He'll get a decent yeah. queue. But, you know, Chip Kid will not have a... If he sat there and signed, he would not have a big queue. That's no disrespect to him. It's yeah. just his field of work is fairly anonymous. It's almost like, yeah, undercover. He, he's almost, the artist's artist. Yeah. We're all yeah. sort of like bowing down to him and going, we're not worthy. But, yeah. Mm. It's the same. I mean, my, my favourite artist of all time is probably a guy called Alex Toth. And he's not that well known outside of... A kind of our circle. So if you know, you know. Like. Yeah, because he never worked. You know, he's dead now, unfortunately. But yeah, he was sort of prominent in the fifties and sixties, mm. and then in the seventies, he designed a lot of Hanna Barbera stuff. Right. So he was famous. His most famous design was Space Ghost mm. for Hanna Barbera. But he did loads. You know, he moved in that because it's more lucrative yeah. at the time. Mm. But because he never really worked for Marvel or DC, uh, yeah. he did a bit here and there. But because he never worked on a big character for a long time or anything, he you know, he's, it, he had no sort of, he was not Jack Kirby, he was not mm. Jim Stranko, he was not John Basuma. Mm. But, you know, he stands, in my opinion, head and shoulders above all of those. Yeah, mm. yeah. It doesn't but again, as an artist, artist, you know, he would mm. have, if, if you sat those four that I've just mentioned in a table, if they were all still alive, <laughs> uh, unfortunately only Jim Stranko's still with us. But... Um, you know, the other three would have a huge queue. Alex Toth mm-hmm. would have quite a small queue, but we all be artists. Yeah, but yeah. That's, that's, good, yeah, that's good for you. Yeah. That's good for you, though, isn't it? Oh, it's good for you because you get instant <laughs> access. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. am your biggest fan. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and uh, this is what I say on the show all the time. Inspiration works in funny ways, and it doesn't really matter if it's the biggest, if it inspires you, mm. it inspires you, and that's yeah, the most important yeah. thing. I mean, I mean, another, another funny, well, not funny story, but little story is, is I, years ago there was this big, convention at Alexandra Palace they only did it the once so it was a good amazing location to have it and everything in London and I remember the two big guests were Jim Lee for those you don't know very famous artist back in the 80s 90s and he did loads of famous characters you know Batman bloody X-Men you know he he presided over the biggest selling comic of all time which was X-Men number one wasn't it back Mm. in the late 80s I think wasn't it sold about Six million or something crazy like that. Mm. Um, and anyway, so he's a massive, he's a big deal in, in American comic books. Um, I mean, he's a good artist, don't get me wrong. Um, anyway, the other guy was Jean Girard, Mobius, mm. the, the French artist, the guy that designed... The guy. <laughs> the guy that worked on Alien and, yeah. and oh, wow. you know, yeah. and uh, worked with Jodorowsky on the failed Dune attempt and... Just one of the most influential artists of all time um, wow. Wow. In, in France. Mm. 
So to my mind, you know, God, Mobius is here. I think, I can't remember him ever coming over again. Unfortunately, he's dead now, but I can't remember him coming over since. I don't know actually if he ever came over before. But anyway, anyway, the queue to Mobius was quite big. The queue to Jim Lee was three times longer. <laughs> and yeah, like I say, Jim's a good artist. Yeah. But mm. he's bloody Mobius. Sat, <laughs> you know, but next sat literally next next to him or on the opposite end of the, the, the room. So yeah, to give the queue yeah. room, mm. you know. And you just thought it's the wrong way around. Yeah. It really weird, is the wrong it? way around. Yeah. You know, it's this it's man fun. that influenced so many people, his his style mm. is just so incredibly innovative. Yeah, it it, mm. it it sometimes it feels wrong, but you can't you can't you can never predict popularity. I know no, exactly. Yeah. I know who would agree is yeah. um, Eric Fluger. Yes. Our friend Eric yeah. Fluger is an amazing artist, really intricate pencil work and stuff. Mm. And he, he he talks about Geiger, Giger, Geiger, Geiger, Geiger. 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 Oh, yeah. Geiger. I always say Geiger, I, also, I say it a different yeah. way every single time. It could be Giger. <laughs> <laughs> he talks about that guy as if he's a hero, and like when you he takes he'll be talking to us on his phone, and he'll show us his library, books and books and books, and he'll have like two rows of books just on Geiger himself, mm. like, and he talks about him as if he's his hero. Do you know what I mean? And a lot of people don't know who he is, but mm. he's really influential. Well, artist, again, you know? Alien. Yeah. He designed mm. that. Alien is. I mean, Mobius did all the kind of spaceships and, and yeah. that in conjunction with a couple of other artists it wasn't just him but yeah his Geiger yeah, yeah, was the guy yeah. that you know the space jockey the alien mm. the yeah. ship the mm. aliens on all yeah. that 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 biomechanical sort of stuff that's all his oh, so beautiful yeah um we are we are on a tangent anyway. So, uh, <laughs> yep. we did uh, so, t- Charlie. What was a big break? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did we get onto that? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> was, what was the, what was the the first big? Oh, the job big break. The, the well, it, I mean, at the end, I just kept kept plugging away, and then one year, uh, about two years in, um, I did the Glasgow show, and. In my portfolio, I did have... I started working with... Here's another bit of advice. I started working with a writer because I don't write. So I started working with a writer because it gives you and the opportunity. It saves you trying to sort of half construct a story, but mm. you're not particularly enthusiastic about it because you're not right. You don't write. So therefore, you sort of... That bit of it is is all... Mm. not not very good so yeah you can show you can do a, sequ- a sequence and everything but it's a lot easier yeah. working with a writer a bit of context, so, I was, yeah. Yeah. so i was working with the writer and we'd, we'd done um a uh a 2000 ad story just just a short story and so obviously i approached the editors at 2000 ad and well uh, they they seem to be quite impressed and oh that's right just before that I'd seen a writer called I'd shown my work to a writer a Scottish writer called Alan Grant and at the time Alan was a big a big deal in comic books he sort of co-wrote with John Wagner another mm. local yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and they wrote he, they wrote a lot of stuff together and separately but Alan at the time was also writing Batman and bearing in mind this was post the Tim Burton Batman film so Batman was selling again millions mm. in, in yeah. terms of yeah. comic books and so I knew Alan vaguely and I showed him my latest stuff and he seemed to like it as well and I said 
well, if I go and show it to the editors, would you write me a story? And he went, yeah, sure. As- probably assuming that that was a load yeah. of rubbish, you know, and just that's not, never going to happen. So, of course, I went to see the editor. Editor seemed impressed. I said, oh, well, you know, if you like it, I, Alan, Alan Grant is willing to write me a story, you know. <laughs> and they're like, what? And so it kind of, I, I won't say I played them off against each other, <laughs> but I think I used it as a bit of a momentum to get yeah. something. And Alan... Fair dues, he did. He wrote me a 10-page story. Mm. Uh, That was was the first thing ever had published in terms of comic books um, called The Judge Dread, The Hand of Fate, and it ended up appearing in the Dread magazine, which is the 2080 offshoot, Mm. which still still runs today. Judge Judge, Dread. That must have been massive for you, though. It must have been like, run home, show your mum and dad. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was very exciting. I mean, it was... Yeah, A, you're doing, you're, you're, you're finally doing some professional work. B, you're drawing Judge Dredd. Yeah. You're drawing an icon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And C, the scariest bit was it had to be fully painted, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I wasn't very good at. Uh, that, that was, I mean, the strip I did show was a fully painted strip. And at the time, there was a fashion for doing fully painted, full, full color stuff, but painted stuff. You know, people like, Dave McKean mm. and Simon Bisley had sort of come up through the ranks and uh, you know, because they were so popular, everyone was like, oh, we need painted mm. comics now. We mm. can't just do black and white with you know, colour on top. It's a distinct style. So, I remember I used to have a, a Batman issue. I don't know where it happened to it now, but it was all water, like watercolour. I don't know what right, kind of paint right. it was. It was all painted. It looked yeah. amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. some people still do it, you know, but... Time consuming it's, though. It's, um, was it, it one of those things where you're just like, yeah, yeah, I could do it painted, and you're like, oh. Yeah, I, I did pretty much. I mean, yeah, I did think, oh, God. Well, the 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 stuff I showed, like I say, was painted, but of course that was painted, you know, on, in my own time without mm. a deadline. Yeah, all of a sudden you've yeah. got somebody going, hey, well, here's a script, here's 10 pages, can we have it in, I don't know how long they gave me, three, four weeks, something mm. like that. You're, like, you're yeah. thinking, oh, right, so I've got to do at least two or three pages a week. You know, fully painted that was. Yeah. You know, I can easily do two or three pages black and white. I can do a page a day black and white, yeah. but yeah. painted, that's the time. Con- the painting bit is the yeah, time consuming bit. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a. <gasps> so right, how- deadlines. Okay, this is new. <laughs> so, how did you go from like Judge Dredd to to like Walking Dead and doing zombies? <laughs> I mean, that, that's- let's take that leap. <laughs> there, there's actually, like, just, there's yeah. actually a list here of things that you've done and they're amazing. Like, you've got the X Files, The Crow, Hellblazer, which, by the way, Constantine is my hero. Oh, oh right. Well, I just did a variant cover to the new. I did see it. I did yeah, see it. I was yeah, like, yeah. I need yeah. to get a Constantine off Charlie at <laughs> one point. So. I enjoyed drawing Constantine. Yeah. Well, well, when you're free to do one I'll pop round on. <laughs> <laughs> Nikolai Dante Batman Mars Attacks Men in Black and I think I asked you not on Men in Black and who did that one did you not do no, Men in Black uh, <laughs> Alex just that one off the list going through that one <laughs> okay, okay, you had one okay, job okay, Al okay. you had one job okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I remember you telling me you wanted to do Men in Black. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, but no, uh, th- this list of things. I asked you on Thorskin, and I think it'd be good to ask you again. Sorry, it's but okay. uh, drawing something like the X Files, where it's a, it's a it's a property that mm. everybody knows, Mulder and Scully, everybody knows what they look mm. like. How difficult is that as opposed to making your own characters? You know, oh, got infinitely more difficult and le- and infinitely less rewarding yeah. <laughs> as well. Um, you know, it's 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 literally the X Files and well, let's talk about it. The Walking Dead mm. is is literally polar opposites. Yeah. You know, because on one side with the X Files, we were asked to do the comic book 
of the TV show. Right. So you're limited. So it's like backwards almost, isn't it? Yeah, well, mm. yeah, you're limited. It's licensed comic books. You're mm. limited by, you know, what, what's shown in the TV show, et cetera, et cetera. You can't change the characters. You can't yeah. do this. You can't do that because obviously the characters are running concurrently. So you are very, very restrained. Yeah. Obviously, The Walking Dead is the opposite because the TV show is based on what we do. Mm. So we have full creative control. It's as mm. simple as that. We can do whatever we want, including finishing the book. <laughs> you know, this yeah. year, oh, last year, no. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, there was no the, t- the 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 TV executives couldn't step in and go, no. What do you What are you doing? Are you insane? Yeah. You know, so, no. Sorry, yeah. you can't tell us to do that. This is our. We are the Walking Dead. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah you, yeah, you came first. Yeah, exactly. TV show came yeah. second. And if it yeah. decides to run on, if it'll do t- its own if thing. The TV show's fine if it wants to run on for yeah. twenty more seasons. Yeah. Good luck. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, whereas, very yeah. good luck. Yeah, very I good stopped, luck. I stopped watching when Rick left. <laughs> so when, when like, you know, you're thinking of a character or something, like, you know, or take, I don't know, Negan, for example, or something, you know, you, do, you have, do you instantly have, like, an image in your head of what that's going to look like? Or do you take a bit of time to chew it over a bit? Uh, or, you know? I will say, with me, the best ideas are the ideas that come instantly. Yeah. The, be- the best idea is always the first idea. And the one that comes instantly. I know, I know I'm onto something good when I can just go bing, yeah. you know, mm. like that. So if I'm struggling with it, I, I, it's, it's very rare that it's going to, it's going to be a particularly good drawing or, or so idea. Where, mm. Where's that come So, like, you know, do you, do, you, do you just get, like, a name and the first sort of image that comes to your head? Or do you, like, get the character profile and you think, right, yeah. I, can, I can kind of build yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean it, it really depends on what, A, what's written, for, for yeah. starters. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what a lot of writers do, which is really useful, is instead of spending paragraphs describing what the character looks like, yeah. they'll just say, he looks like name of celebrity, right. whatever, someone famous, whether it's sports, point, point reference, actor. Like, yeah. It's a point of reference. Mm. And then they just say, but with long hair or something yeah. like that. So you just Google that X, that person. And, like, oh, and you go, right, okay, I've got yeah. the face shape. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I, I can see mm. exactly what to do now. Mm. Um, so that, that's always quite useful. You've got a, a unique superpower, though, that I'd love. And that's like, you know, the one day when you're stuck in traffic, someone cuts you up, you briefly see their face, and you can go and be like, right, you're going you're to get eaten by a zombie later. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to ruin you, uh, and it's going to feel great. I'm like, going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how many people have you killed? <laughs> 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 That'll link yeah. onto it. No, no, I've got. So you were yeah. obviously saying about coming up with characters. So come on. Where did she come from, and how did that name come about? Oh, Lucille. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you see, my, well, see, that's got a really weird, interesting genesis. Well, Negan has actually because Robert Kirkman, the writer, said um, when when we were going down that. Um, uh, storyline um, I did six was it six or four oh no six six covers concurrent covers uh, in the issues which had the saviors which is Negan's mm. gang mm. Um, but just their torsos and then it was just a bit of black uh, about easily half the cover was just this black negative space where it would say Walking Dead and the title of the thing mm. Uh, so you had this half torso and a weapon, 
Mm. Um, so at the time, Robert just gave me a load of suggestions. Yeah, how about one with wearing this and he's carrying a you know, gun or a sawn off shotgun, one doing this with an axe, one doing this. And he just casually put one with a baseball bat, say, with wire around it like that. <laughs> You're like, yep. So, yeah. So I was doing that. So I drew them all. And what I didn't realize, Robert was looking at them all. And that's how he was going to choose Negan or the main villain. Right. And he said, mm. I like the one with the baseball bat. That could be Negan. I was like, yeah, fine. Mm. <laughs> and, okay. um, so it was kind of this weird sort of hybrid of both me drawing everything up and then Robert looking at them all going, oh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where Lucille and Negan's costume came mm. from. His mm. face obviously didn't come from that because it was... The, all the faces were cut off and yeah. you know, down to the waist. So uh, the face was an in, another interesting... Uh, at first, I was kind of thinking, wouldn't it be good if it was a female? Because we've already had a mm. male villain. Yeah, oh, that's major, right. Major the, male, um, the governor. The governor, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've yeah. already had a male villain. Yeah. So at first... But then, you know, obviously we did come up with a female villain in, in Alpha, mm. of it, you know, down the line. So mm. that sort of fulfilled that. But... Um, uh, Robert was saying, no, I'd, I'd like it to be, um, you know, sort of quite a thick set, you know, individual. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, and that bat is iconic now. I mean, yeah. for people that don't know The Walking Dead, uh, that Lucille is, is a bat carried by the main, one of the main villains, Negan, wrapped in, in barbed wire. And this thing is sold everywhere, comic books, all around the world. Oh, like yeah, the, yeah, this yeah. thing It's the easiest cosplay. Yeah. I'm cosplaying as Negan at the moment because I'm wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> you know, it is literally the easiest yeah. cosplay. Yeah. All you have to do is wear a leather jacket. Perhaps you might wear a red sort of scarf. Yeah. You get a baseball bat, wraps and barbed wire around it. It ain't hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Unfortunately, I haven't so. got the hair for it. I've got the lack of hair for it. You can get the um, rubber barbed wire, can't you? That goes oh, God. Stuff well, there, I've got loads of Negan, bait, uh, loads of Lucille toys that, oh. that I've been sent. Obviously, yeah, yeah, official yeah. baseball bats of varying sizes, you know. Amazingly, amazingly get through that away customs, in the post. you know. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, don't break into Charlie's ever. <laughs> and if you ever get... Actually, that heavy plastic is still quite yeah, yeah. You wax them around the head with that. I think the, the, the plastic barbed wire might bend as it connects. <laughs> but but the, that heavy duty plastic one, yeah, that'll give you, you know about that, wouldn't you? That'll give you a headache, you know. So I, I do have finally a weapon at, at home. So there you go, burglars. Try be it. warned. <laughs> If you ever get raided, you've got a lot of explaining to do. Um, <laughs> why have you got an arsenal? Excuse me, sir, where did you get this from? Yeah, so anyone thinking of breaking into my house, beware. I'll be standing there naked in a leather jacket and baseball bat. Come on! There you go. Shall we finish on that? On that lovely image. Um, so creating an, uh, so, uh, so many iconic characters, things like that, like you and Robert, like... Uh, one of the highest selling independent comic books, uh, uh, big TV show. What what happened? Why did you decide to kill it? Well, I mean, because you did it in the most ingenious way, oh, yeah, but it was, yeah, it was yeah. so we rock totally, and roll. Totally, totally. Um, we footed everybody, didn't we? Mic drop. Damn. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> well, believe it or not, it was four years ago we started talking about this. Yeah. The end. And and I I remember emailing Robert saying, I I really think we need an out. Whether it's six issues time or 60 issues time, uh, 
I just felt like, you know, I'd been working on the book already by that time for nearly 12 years. Mm. So I just think, oh, I've, not that I've had enough. Yeah. It, it's a weird thing. I just didn't, I didn't think I had enough, but I just wanted to know when we were ending. Because yeah. before that, we were just carrying on indefinitely. Yeah. It, we, it, we were always saying, oh, we could carry on for the next 20 years. Who knows? You're you like, know? yeah. And I was like, yeah. No, at the time before that, I was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You mm. know, and... Um, but then after a while, I just think, no, I just, I just need to know. And then what I didn't realize is that Robert was also thinking the same thing because he knew he, he'd, he had plotted, because he told me the ending probably for you know, two or three years prior to that email. Uh, but of course, then he said, this could be, yeah, this could be, this is years away sort of mm -hmm. thing. Um, and at that time, we knew we'd probably get to that point because the book was doing so well, there was no reason for it not to ever get to that point. Yeah. So uh, what I didn't realize after I sent that email was Robert was thinking the same thing. Uh, and he was, he'd sort of already mentally plotted out all the, all the story in his head. And he realized it was only going to go to a certain number of issues. Mm -hmm. So he was thinking, hmm, that could be it, you know. So, so thankfully, we were both in agreement. Mm. And we agreed... At the time, I think I was probably about 40-plus issues off where we finished in the end. Uh, so we agreed. We said, well, let's finish what we call the compendium, which is the big... Because obviously everything in The Walking Dead is collected, and we mm -hmm. do the single issues, the monthly issues. We do the six-issue collections. We do the 12-issue collections. We do a sort of a very sort of special 24-issue collection with a slipcase and stuff, which is great for Christmas, kids, uh, and, and birthdays, obviously. Uh, and then we do this monstrous brick of a book, this 48-issue collection, which is called The Compendium. So we actually finished at the end of the fourth compendium, which makes it all nice and neat. Yeah. So everything is yeah. like volumed out mm -hmm. sort of thing. There is no few issues that are left sort of straggling so it made sense to do that um a lot of people thought we'd finish at issue 200 but it makes no sense i know it sounds crazy to to the uninitiated but make it finishing at issue 200 would mean you'd have all these sort of spare issues yeah, yeah. that you mm. couldn't collect well you could collect them but they'd be all yeah yeah all wrong it'd be all wrong you know <laughs> so um so yeah we decided that about four four years ago and slowly built up you know, talking about it as we were going along, slowly built up to our big finale. It was it was such a shock though, because I I remember this like it was yesterday. You were like, "Here are some future covers of The Walking Dead," yeah. and then two days later, all I heard was, <laughs> well, well, "I can now tell you a story." Yeah. Uh, well, not a story, but at Comic Salopia. Do you remember? You must remember because I saw you. Um, you know, I was chatting to Eric Stevenson, who's the publisher of Image Comics. Yes. Out yeah. in the sort of that middle bit of the sixth form. And you were sort of hanging around. I, that was the... Yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, 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 you do know what we were talking about. The end we of were talking because Eric was the only guy apart from our <laughs> apart from our collect our respective wives and a few yeah. very close friends. Eric was the only guy involved with Image Stroke Skybound comics that knew, right? Because Eric's a really well, he's a good friend of mine, but he's a really good friend of Robert's. So it was kind of for us, it was. <laughs> 
great. We were that close, dude. You were that world world I, I seriously thought you were listening in. <laughs> and I was looking at Eric. I was looking at Eric because Eric was the one who was talking loudly. <laughs> and I was looking at Eric going, I Shut saw up. you. I was going, oh, it don't, it's the mouthpieces of Shrewsbury. Yeah, and I'm thinking... It's only a month left before we're going to literally <laughs> announce this. We can't yeah. fall at the last hurdle. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I honestly thought, bloody listening in. Because <laughs> oh <my Brilliant. God. laughs> he was going, oh, yeah, the end of the walk. He goes, oh, what do you think? Oh, it's great to talk to somebody about him because I haven't been able to talk to anybody apart from Robert. Blah, 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 blah. You know? <laughs> And I was going, keep it down. And then all your Because he was, he was so quiet in that courtyard yeah. and there was no one else around. So he's, it felt like his voice, it's probably my paranoia, his voice is bouncing off all the walls. I was thinking, oh my and God. Then, and then all you hear is, you want to come on my podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was this close to a world exclusive. But if it had come out, I'd have known. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who it was. We wouldn't be existing today and we wouldn't be on that Monopoly board. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember, I remember like, um, I was watching uh, Fat Man Beyond, which is Kevin Smith's uh, big thing in, in LA. And he was like, oh man, uh, the, the, the Walking Dead's bro- the, the most baller, the most metal thing they could ever do. In co- they, they hoodwinked everybody into thinking there's more issues and you know, they just ended it, man. They just killed it. And I was like, yeah, that's, he mentioned you by name as well. Oh, we were this hey. close, dude. We were this close. Oh. You were this close. You were the closest anyone's come with. Literally. Oh my god. Literally. We'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> but yeah, we, we we it was great because we did exactly what we wanted to do in the end. We went out on our own terms. We went out as the comic was still mm. big news. Yeah. We caused a really big stir, which is obviously what you wanted to do. <laughs> uh, and it was it was great because no one's ever done that before. No. You know, and yeah, it, it was it was it worked. Perfectly. It was. It was, it was a, yeah, definitely it was. Uh, an atom bomb in the uh, the world press. I, I got to, uh, <laughs> uh, before before we sign off and stuff. Like, what's what's come after the Walking Dead for you? Then, what's next? Whew. Uh, good rest. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, because last year was was I finished the Walking Dead and actually drawing it in April. Then it was announced in July. I finished a French book called Vampire State Building a couple of months later. So that was that was a, a long, quite a long term thing just because I was trying to do it in my spare time you know so that 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 filled out any <laughs> laughable spare time that I had in the last sort of two or three years previous uh so that that was completed so that probably took me up to sort of September time and then yeah I, I kind of been it's quite nice I've been kicking back a bit uh, <laughs> nice. it's, 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 like I've it. got a house to build so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, slowly <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah that's taking up more and more time as we get nearer so I'm kind of glad The Walking Dead's um, mm. Uh, mm. finished but um, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm actually the main thing is I'm working with my another local my old friend Robbie Morrison I like uh, Robbie Robbie's a nice guy yeah and um, we, we've worked on well, you mentioned one of the things we worked on together which was Nikolai Dante, Dante yeah. which is Robert uh, Robbie's um, own creation for 2000 AD but we also worked, did a book together 20 odd years ago called White Death which was holds a special place in my heart because it was um, it was my first creator own book mm. um but we're working on a new thing now called Heretic, which is a 16th century set murder mystery story set in Antwerp in Belgium around about the Spanish Inquisition 
time. Mm. That sounds good, actually. So, yeah. It grabs uh, yeah. me because I'm a big Halo fan. Heretic. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, we haven't even got, well, I say we haven't got a publisher. There's plenty of people that have gone, ooh, ooh, you know. Ooh. But we're, we're just taking it really casually. It's really nice to be able to do that. Just In your to own do timeline. the book. Robbie, thankfully, is not not, he, he's always a real chilled guy and he's not overly concerned about, you know, getting a publisher straight away he's mm. quite happy to work shall we say unpaid mm. <laughs> until mm. until we find the right place to put it so i'm just quite happy it's a it's a finite thing um yeah there's always uh, room for the next big thing in comic books as well i mean oh, i don't what, know like what, what, i thought uh, it was done and dusted i thought like yeah we'll do we'll, whatever whatever's up there we'll we'll live on for a bit but then then gerard way comes out with the umbrella academy and it blows up and i was just right. like it's always something new it's always something new it's yeah. lots of yeah. well, i'm i am honestly quite content now i've i've done the big thing yeah, um, mm. I'm I'm honestly quite content just to. Do, I mean, don't get me wrong. The Walking Dead has enabled me to do this, but I'm quite happy just yeah. to sit back, yeah. do my own thing now, whatever I want to do. Yeah. Um, nice and never, never do a, an ongoing series again. <laughs> <laughs> and you do a lot around the town as well. Obviously, you're the. Are you still the Hive ambassador? Yeah, oh, like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, the Hive's an, an amazing place and I will continue to be the Hive uh, patron, patron ambassador yeah, no, no, no. Um, for, for as long. I, uh, of course, another ending last year was my role as Comics Laureate. That's, that's all mm. done and dusted. I've given that over to Hannah Berry now, a fantastic artist uh, and writer. So she's she's in what, control. What she's duties doing did you have things. as that uh, as the comic laureate? What was what what came to you? That was a lot of openings, lots of events. Well, it wasn't of... openings. It was just it was it was an honour. Obviously, absolutely, mm. really absolutely. didn't expect to be asked to do it at yeah. all. Uh, uh, it took me out of my comfort zone considerably because I had to kind of almost do presentations, which yeah, I'm not yeah. really used to. Yeah, uh, and it, yeah, it, it was just another interesting thing to do because. I, I never considered talking about comics as uh, not not as a literature. I, I totally believe in comics as literature, and I totally believe in comics for everybody. But to go and talk specifically and talk specifically about educational things as well, yeah. mm. and going to talk to teachers and librarians and things like that, and and talk to them and talk to people that aren't necessarily aware of comic books as mm. as a form of education or, or as a form of literacy yeah um, it, it was really interesting. and that's probably quite a powerful thing isn't it as well because you think in schools there are set well certainly when I was at school there was set reading material you had to do it was always books it wasn't comics yeah. but if there is a child that you know for whatever reason can't go with just words but then they can pick up a comic and go with the pictures and put the words with it Oh, absolutely. Then, you know, yeah, I think yeah. that sort of thing should be encouraged yes. more and more in schools. Oh, absolutely. I think mm. it encourages reading, yeah. not discourages yeah, reading. Yeah, totally agree. You know? yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah that, I, I, was, I was more up for the up for the challenge, yeah. you know. And, and <laughs> Hannah, Hannah's doing amazing work, actually. She, she, yeah, she's taking it one step further, which is amazing. So it's, it's nice to see that I think each of us, because there's been three so far. I was the middle one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dave Gibbons was the original uh, creator of Watchmen. Uh we, we've you know Dave sort of started it all rolling you know I sort of took it one step further and Hannah's taken it many steps further so mm. it's, it's yeah it's great to see that mm. the the role is very much um, still a thing mm. you know and, and will carry on hopefully into yeah. the far future 
Wow, wow. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Charlie. That was, that was awesome. Oh, My pleasure. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're welcome on any time. Uh, oh, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> no awkwardness anymore. We've put it, be honest, we did bring we, paper we, to ask you to do drawings, we, we but I'm not going to do that to you today. No, no, no. Well, I can come on next time with you. You've got yeah. 10 yes. seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted us as um, zombies for the, for like to put up in here. Mm. Deal, deal, deal. Right. Well, next time. So next I've, time. I've got, I've got <laughs> this. Now I know where you are. Well, in all the free time that you've got now, you know, like... <laughs> don't forget my Constantine oh, no, no. Thank you. I, I, I'm a big fan of yours Charlie and thank you so much for coming on the show um, is there anything you want to sort of shout out anybody any, anything you want to I've said what's coming up no yeah, I've got nothing no. oh god is there anything um, no no my mind's gone blank of course of course my just mind's just keep gone buying blank. the walking dead yeah. keep buying it keep buying it keep buying the reprints <laughs> <laughs> has anybody got anything to add on this Nope. No, 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 that's great. Let's let the man go. Well, guys, we brought you Charlie Adlard to the show, and it was awesome. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsors, who are Gin Different. Um, if you are a fan of gin, if you're not a fan of gin, make sure you check out their bar in the Market Hall. Um, they can also get you those obscure bottles of gin you can't get in Asda's or Tesco's, and they do have pop up bars that go around the festivals and things. Make sure you check them out on Facebook. Give them a follow. Thank you, very, thank you again, Charlie. This My has been pleasure. awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank thank you. You. Yeah, brilliant, thank you. And uh, I'll catch you guys next time. Thank Peace you very much. Cool. Peace Take out. care. Bye. Bye.